pray for myself. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we'll go ahead and jump into God's word. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just praise you, and I thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us as orphans. Lord, you have left us with your word. You've left us with the Holy Spirit inside of us, those that are your children. And Lord, you say that you will continue to guide us. And Lord, we see that as we read your word and as we get to know you better. Lord, um, we just thank you for that, and we praise you. And Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand your word. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us all to understand. And Lord, that we would do the work of readying our hearts to hear you and to receive, including myself, Lord, even those hard things that we hear, Lord, from your word, that we would follow, as it says in the book of James, to not just be hearers of your word, but to also be doers of your word, Lord, so that we would live in that and we would live it out. Lord, we love you. Jesus, speak through me. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of the things that we were talking about, um, so we touched on a few things uh, beginning in, in uh, Judges chapter 2, and um, some of the things, or most of the things that we find is that Israel begins uh, as their parents' generation are dying off. Now, we have to understand, this is the second generation uh, coming out of Egypt that is dying off. So, so the, that generation, they were young, they were little children, and they saw the wonders of the Lord as little children. Why am I telling you this? Is because their parents had failed in the wilderness. That's why they were out there for 40 years. They were out there for 40 years because of their disobedience. They actually, would, they actually reached the promised land within weeks. And they stood at that promised land. And if you read in the book of Numbers, they said when they sent those 12 spies in, they come back and they unanimously, except for two spies, they all say, no, sir, we are not going in. We don't want your promise. And then they, they begin, they go back into their, you know, their fleshly living in the sense of they go back to what they usually do and they start complaining about the Lord right there at the border of the promised land. They say, did the Lord bring us out here to die? We are going to get eaten up and swallowed by these giants that live in this so-called promised land filled with milk and honey. And they start grumbling against the Lord. And then... They say, oh, we can't do it. It would be better for us. And this isn't the first time they say it. They say, it, it would be better for us to die in the wilderness. And one thing that we have to remember is when I want to set my heart against the Lord and I continue in setting my heart against the Lord, the Lord is the first one to second that, to say, have it your way. I don't know if you guys remember, that used to be Burger King's tagline, right? Have it your way. They stole that from the Lord, <laughs> right? And, and I would say this. Sometimes people say, we do have a God of wrath, right? We do. It's something that we cannot. He, he is a strong father in his household. And we praise the Lord for that. Why? Because I know that my daughters, I have three daughters, they thank the Lord because I try to be a strong father, right? I don't just sit there and tell people, yeah, yeah, you can have my daughter. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Or 
they know that when they're building something in the back garden, it's too heavy, they call daddy. And daddy comes over and picks it up for them. And then they kind of rope me in to build all their things for them. <laughs> but the reason they know they can rope me in is because I love them. I love them, you know? The other day, my daughter, my 11-year-old, knew we were, we were in Smith's, right? Because it was her dream for her 11th birthday to go to a toy shop and to look around at all the toys and to pick one. Or so that was the plan. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I know my, I know my 11-year-old. I know my Emily. She's going to see one or two, <laughs> right? And, and she's kind of fun because she's not going to pick what you think she's going to pick, right? So we're in Smith's. We're walking around. And her mother was like, listen, you have this budget, and you said you're going to pick one. And then she goes to one side of the toy shop, and she sees these these like rollerblades, and she's like, whoa, those look good. But then she said, I was looking in the Smith's catalog, and I saw this really big stuffed giraffe. <laughs> so that's on the other side of the shop. <laughs> so we walk over there, we look at the stuffed giraffe. I try to, try to dissuade her. I say, look, it looks kind of dumb. <laughs> you know, like, I think its leg is broken. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever, you know? She's not hearing it. She wants this stuffed giraffe, you know? And she knows I love her. And she knows that the numbers, she's good with her numbers, and she knows that the numbers don't come far off from what she's been told her budget was. So she said, I really like that giraffe, Daddy. And I really like those rollerblades. To which Claire says, ask your father. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I look at her and I think, you know what? You're only 11 one time. I have you here with me now. Let's go get that giraffe and put some rollerblades on it. <laughs> so, you know, so we go get that, right? Why? Because I want to be a good daddy. I don't want to spoil my children. I don't. I don't want to give in to everything because some of the things, since they are young, some of the things that they want are not good for them. It's not, it's not good for them. You know, like my little Josephine. Man, she could eat sweets all day. And I could be like, hey, at least she's not bothering me. And then I give her sweets. No, that's not the right thing to do, right? She needs to eat normal meals. Maybe, maybe one. <laughs> you know, but she loves her sweets. She really does. She, and she has that little lisp, that cute little lisp. And she's Daddy, can I have some sweets? Ah. <laughs> oh. No, I lost them all. I don't know where they went, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and she gets them. <laughs> so, but she knows when to ask, but she also asks at six, half six in the morning for sweets. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't have sweets now. Eat breakfast. Go eat breakfast. So, you know, we have to understand that God is a good father. Better than me. He tells us in the New Testament, Jesus tells us. If we who are wicked have wickedness in us, built in us, I have a flesh that I have to constantly bring to the altar and sacrifice and say, Lord, I don't want any of it. I don't want what my flesh wants. I want you, right? It tells us that in Romans, where it says that I must offer myself 
as a living sacrifice. He's not telling me as a dead sacrifice. That's not what the Lord wants. The Lord doesn't want me to jump on an altar and burn myself to death. That's not what he wants. He wants me to be a living, breathing sacrifice unto him. That's the harder job. That's, that's more difficult. Why? Because now I have, to, I have to ask him for the help as I walk in this life, as my flesh comes against me, you know, helped out by the devil in the system of this world. And then that, that trilogy comes after me. <laughs> and I have to ask Jesus, help me. And I don't ask in vain. We don't ask in vain. We know he can overcome our flesh. He can help us through his Holy Spirit to say, hey, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, so we find that the Lord is a good father. And that good father told those Israelites, going back to what we were talking about, he told those Israelites, listen, I will take you in. I will be your victory. And they didn't trust him enough. And they said, it would be better for us to die in the wilderness. Our children will be food for them. They'll rape our kids. They'll kill them. They'll eat them. They'll do all these things, and the Lord said, I have one better for you. You will die in the wilderness because I am sick and tired of you telling me that's what you want. So I'm going to give you what you want, but I will be faithful to your children. Your children will inherit the promised land that I, I gave to your ancestors. And we find this in Scripture. So now that generation that was faithful to the Lord because they thought back and said, my parents messed up. I don't want to live like that. I want to trust the Lord and move forward. So as we, as Christians, those of us here that have come to Jesus Christ and given him our lives and said, Jesus, I believe in the work that you did on the cross. And I need your Holy Spirit to help me. Those of us that have done that, that have become a new creation, those of us that are born again, we can trust the Lord to take us into this new promised land where the Holy Spirit leads us. And we can lay down our lives and say, you know what? You know, this is the good thing. This is the awesome thing about the Lord. When I was younger, I've told you this before. When I was younger, I was a Christian, right? I loved Jesus. Everybody knew Dave, little Dave loves Jesus. He sings Jesus songs. My mother says, I remember you riding up and your bicycle up and down in New York City, up and down, up and down, just singing, singing praise songs, right? I love Jesus. But as I grew older, there were things I wanted to do, right? They weren't evil things, but I was learning to make compartments in my life. I was learning this thing that, that really the scripture tells me not to do is to say, these are what I want to do. These are the things I want to do. And then like on Sunday, I'll praise you. And then maybe, maybe like Monday night Bible study, I'll praise you. And Wednesday, I'll praise you. But like there's things I've got to do. There are heights that I have to reach. There are degrees that I need to get. Instead of saying, Lord, do you see the desires of my heart? I worship you and I hand them to you. You know what the Lord does? Says he gives us the desires of our hearts, but we have to let him bring it about. We have to let him bring about the vision that he's given us, and we have to walk with him. 
And so many times in my life, I've turned around after I've laid down the, the thing that I really wanted. And I said, you know what, Lord? I hand it to you. It's in your hands. I'm just going to be busy about your business. And then years later, you realize, whoa, Lord, you gave me the thing that I wanted that I laid down. You gave it to me. You were good to me. You were a good father. And I've seen it time and time again. So we see that this generation now that was faithful is dying out. And their children are now adults and making decisions. And it says that when that generation who had seen the glory of the Lord with their own eyes started to die out, they began to be disobedient to the Lord. And then I talked to us about it was their own fault they didn't know the Lord with their own eyes. Now, some of us can say, well, God hasn't done the wonders for me that he's done for my mother and my father, or he hasn't done the wonders for me like I've seen in the scripture. That may be your own fault because when we trust the Lord, he moves. We can see him do things in our lives and in the lives around us. We will see his fingerprints all over the place. We will see him move. And we won't have an excuse to say, oh, I didn't know the Lord. Because we will be guilty of what Israel did. And it says this, and I, I'm going to go back really quick to verse 10. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And I said, this wording... If you go back to the Hebrew, this wording is, is an act of the will to say, I see you up there, but I'm not looking. My parents told me about you, but I don't care. Now, see, my mother was a Christian, and I told you guys last week, I'm one of seven children. I'm not number one. I'm not number two. I'm number three, okay? Number three can usually hide. Right? But I'm also not the middle. I'm part of the older ones, right? The ones who can um, get their way. <laughs> but, but, you know, I wasn't the top of the, uh, the food chain. <laughs> I was somewhere in the middle where I could hide out, <laughs> right? So I was one of seven, but I remember my mother telling me about Jesus. I remember praying with her to accept Jesus, to uh, proclaim with my mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord and believe in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, as it says in Romans, in Romans uh, 9, verse 10, right? I remember doing that, but there was a time when her faith that was transferred to me had to become my faith. I had to grow in the Lord. That didn't happen at three years old. At, during that time, I walked with my spiritual authority, and she explained things to me because my father is not a Christian to this day. To this day, if I saw him, he would curse Jesus Christ right there out loud, and I would move away. <laughs> okay, Dad, don't just calm down, right? So my mother was the one that, told me about Jesus, read God's word. In fact, she disciplined me in, in this sense. 
and all of my siblings to read God's word every day, every day. And, and we can look at that and say, how boring, right? But I look back now and I say, thank you, Lord, that you gave me that mother. A mother that, you know, is still alive today, and she still rings me up and says, you've been reading the word? <laughs> Ma, <laughs> I kind of have to. I'm a pastor now. <laughs> and she's like, no, but have you been reading the word for you? Right? And it's a good reminder. I could study up, study up, study up, get lots of sermons ready, but have I allowed it to penetrate my own heart? Have I heard the Lord speaking to me? So something that I like to do is while I study, I ask the Lord, speak to me. Convict me. Talk to me. Lead me. Right? So then we, we see that through that, I had to, as a normal person, I had to become somebody whose faith was fully in Christ and in God's word. And how did I have to do that? I had to read God's word to understand who God was. You see a lot of people out there calling themselves Christian, and they are ignorant to God's word. You know, I don't, I don't care to call anybody out. I was once ignorant too. But what we have to do is I have to take care of me. I can't sit here and criticize everybody else. I, the Lord has given me his word. I have a responsibility. If so-and-so is failing, the, the scripture tells me to go and speak to my brother, saving them. To say, hey, let me talk to you about something. I've seen, I've seen some sin in your life. Let me, let me help you. I love you, and that's why I'm talking to you. You know, to come in love. And the other thing is, instead of me sitting there with my eyes just, you know, criticizing and judging everybody, I can instead pray for them. And know that every servant, as Paul said, every servant will stand or fall before their master. I have to be worried about this servant. And my master is Jesus Christ. I have to, I have to be worried about me. Sometimes we're, we like to preoccupy ourselves with everybody else. And then we are irresponsible with ourselves. So we see that the Lord comes through, they, they start failing. It's an act of the will. They're not paying attention to the Lord. And the Lord is, you know, in this, um, in this scripture, we're seeing his goodness. So we get to the Lord rescues his people in verses 16. It says, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Because verse 14 and 15 shows us that God's anger burned against them. And rightly so. If he's a good father and the child is irresponsible and the child doesn't even care about the father and only, and I talked about this last week, only rings up when the rent is due, you would be a stupid parent to not say something about that. To say, hey, how come I haven't heard from you in six months and now you're bringing to me a 4,000 pound bill? but you don't care about me any other way. You just want the money. And then you say that I'm negligent. You know, I, I mean, if your child's old, old enough, I know so, some of us would have some words with that child. 
right? You'd kind of feel unloved. You'd feel like something's broken here. And you're trying to, and I said, you know, imagine trying to ring this child and they don't, they don't pick up the phone. You ring and ring and ring and they don't pick up the phone. You go to visit, they don't answer the door. You see them in the streets and they run. They act like they didn't hear you. But then when the rent is due, they're ringing. And you're like, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I saw you and you ignored me. This is, this is what was going on with Israel and the Lord. Because it says that Israel felt that God didn't listen to them. Meanwhile, they're not even living in anything that the Lord had told them to live in. It says, this made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. That's where the Lord was getting them to because he figures out, and sometimes our hearts are the same. We don't pay attention to the Lord until the great distress comes. And then it's C.S. Lewis who said, you know, in our pleasure, the Lord whispers, but he yells to us in our pain. We hear him. We turn to him. And we say, I need help. He said, you've needed help the whole time. What Israel did not understand is that their victory was only because of the Lord. The possessions that they had was, was, were only there because of the Lord. So if he took them away, it's like a parent saying, listen, you keep beating everybody with that toy, I'm taking it. You know, once in a while I've had to have a chat with my children, right? And I say, what toys are yours? Oh, these are my toys. I don't want to share them. And I say, well, how much money did you pay for those toys? No, I didn't. Gave you those toys? Well, you and mommy and you know grandma and granddad and you know and me ma and you know and my uncles and my aunties. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So um, so how much ownership do you have in that toy? What's your what's your breakdown? Your ownership breakdown on the toy? If all the investment has come from somebody else, <laughs> you know, just kidding around with them. And but then they begin to understand. Oh, someone has been good to me. I should probably be good to others. Someone has shared with me, I can probably share with others. You know? And when we begin to understand that everything that we have comes from the Lord, we can turn and be grateful. We were talking yesterday, and, and my brother said something. I said, you know, there's something that I do. I try to be grateful personally because it has changed my outlook on life. Why? Because bad things happen all the time. Bad things happen all the time, and I can get caught up in that, right? Why is my life so miserable? And then the Lord's standing there and like, it's not that bad, Dave. <laughs> you know, and then I can turn around instead and say, you know what? I'm going to be grateful. And then my brother said, he chimed in and he said, you know what that gratefulness is? Praising the Lord. I can turn and sing praises to the Lord because of the things I can see he's been good to me. And instead of focusing on, you know, you know, whatever just came, the ticket that I just got or, or the, the words that somebody said to me, 
I can then instead focus on the Lord and say, Lord, you have been good to me. I have a roof over my head. It's warm in here. You know, you, you, you um, provide for me to pay this outrageous uh, electricity bill. <laughs> you provide for me to pay this outrageous gas bill. You, you're good to me. He is good. I can look around and say, I am loved. My children love me. My wife loves me. They take care of me. You know, I, and praise the Lord for that, that they take care of me. I mean, I wouldn't look like this. It's looking all haggard. <laughs> I wake up in the morning like, you need to take a shower. <laughs> but we have good things. And when we can turn and be grateful for what the Lord has given, I can live differently because my perspective on life changes from me being a victim all the time or being, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. Hey, man, bad things are always happening. Have you not lived this life? You turn on the news, if you ever feel like, you know, maybe not enough bad things are happening in your life, just watch the BBC. You know, just, just watch, not, not to just point out one news agent, you know, news outlet. Look at any news outlet. <laughs> if, you want, if you want to just get overwhelmed a little bit, like if you miss that in your life, you know, like anxiousness and feeling overwhelmed, just turn on the news and just stare at it for a long time. Now, I'm not telling you not to watch the news. I'm saying, do you balance your time by watching the Lord? and seeing how he's moving, and seeing what he says he's doing. And then when you look at current events, you could say, my God is on the move. And you can look at these current events and say, didn't he not say? Like the disciples, did he not say? But we have to read God's word for the Lord to stir it up in us, right? Jesus' words were stirred up later on after the resurrection, right? It says the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance things that Jesus had said. God's word rang in their hearts and their minds, and they said, he told us that. And it strengthens our trust in him and our belief in the one that is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. It's just you and I sometimes act like Israel and act like we don't know what's going on. And then we're like, oh, that looks good. Oh, I'll go do that. Oh, I really like what that quote that they said on, you know, on Insta or like the gram or whatever. And oh, oh, you know, whatever. It used to be Twitter. Now it's X. I can't even keep up these days, you know. And, and it's like, you know, we think that this finite thing that they're saying is truth is, is what we have to chase after. And the Lord's like, no, no, my word stands forever. Amen. I could catch up with him anytime, anytime I read this word, I open it up and, and he's been tweeting this for 2000 years. I just haven't caught it. I don't know what you would call it now. If it's called X, he's been Xing this. I don't know. All right. Anyway, so so there was, um, there was an instance uh, that I talked about, uh, something that, that Pastor Juan spoke about. Pastor Juan, if you don't know, you may look at us and say, these guys look alike. It's because I'm Pastor Juan's clone. Um, 
my mother had a machine, and I popped out, lost all my hair. This is clone issues. But um, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm Pastor Juan's younger brother, right? So um, there's only three years between us. But Pastor Juan was reiterating a story, and he left out the names of the guilty to, to you know, to save me the embarrassment, right? Because what had happened was I transgressed, and it brought, um, it brought the punishment to everybody in my household, all the siblings. And I told you, I remember that day when I, I transgressed, right? I was ashamed before my brethren and my sister. I was ashamed because it was because of me we were losing our game console, our gaming you know, console. You know, I, back then it was Super Nintendo, right? But let me tell you how good my mother was because we were children that had Super Nintendo and I also had something that they called in the States Sega Genesis, which here it was called the Mega Drive. I also had that, that sat next to my Super Nintendo. Right? And I also had another thing that Sega made, which was called the Game Gear. It was like one of the first colored handheld gaming systems, right? And then my brother also had uh, the Game Boy. He had his Game Boy. I don't know if you guys, this might be going really back, like right around the time NASA was shooting people to the moon. Um, so, it, you know, it was a Game Boy, right? And this, his didn't have color. He wasn't as cool as me. But he had the Game Boy, I had Game Gear, we had that Sega, which you guys call the Sega Mega Drive, and we had Super Nintendo, and we had normal Nintendo. Guess what my mother didn't do? She didn't break all the game systems. She just broke what I transgressed on, right? And she said, you can't play games for a little while. I'm not gonna touch any of the other games. I had tons of games, like, like in my Sega, I had like something like 32 video games on that thing, right? My, my parents, my mother was good to us. She loved us. She loved us. And I know it broke her heart that day to put a hammer through my Super Nintendo. But she told me that's what was going to happen. And why am I saying this? Is because when we read God's word, God tells us what's going to happen when we're with him or when we go without him. And we like to act like I didn't know. What does he say in scripture in the Old Testament? My people are perishing for lack of knowledge because we don't read his word. So, and we transgress and we don't even know. And the Lord's like, I'll put it in there. You know, it's been in there. I said it. Pastor said it on Sunday. But sometimes we're like what I used to be like, right? My mother told me I shouldn't touch that game system. I forgot. And when I forget, that's my fault. And I find that's why I have to keep reading God's word because I forget. I forget his promises. I forget what he tells me. I forget what makes him happy. I forget. I'm leaky. I have holes in me. And I forget. And I need to keep coming back to his word. So, you know, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue them, verse 16, rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves. 
by worshiping other gods. That's how the Lord looks at when we are worshiping something else. And you might say, you know, Pastor Dave, that idolatry doesn't happen these days. How long you been on your phone? Right? Yeah. These devices have become our vices. And that's just one instance, right? How about the idols of, of worry, anxiousness? When we get stressed out and we have like medical problems and the doctor's trying to talk to us, how's the stress in your life? I trust Jesus in word, but not in deed, right? I mean, listen, guys, I know I grew up with a culture of people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm um, Latino, right? Listen, you talk to, to Spanish people, you know, whatever culture they're coming from, man, they are 100%. They will kill people for Jesus. But they don't know who Jesus is. That's the problem, right? And I'm not going to call out any type of religious whatever. There are people that are fans of Jesus, but they are not followers. And I have to ask myself, instead of looking around and saying, oh, you're not a follower and you're not a follower, I have to ask myself, am I a follower? Because following is an action word. It's an action word. You guys know what I mean? Like a verb? You guys know that, right? It's a verb. Following. It's something that is followed by, is, is an action. So if I say I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that means there's a certain way I live. There's a certain way I kind of think because I think about what Jesus likes, the way he wants me to be, right? He says, listen, you know, I, I love, and I was talking to my friend yesterday, I said, I when I was younger, I loved, and I still do, I love the book of James. Why? Because the book of James was very easy for me to begin to apply God's word to my life. Because James, he doesn't, he doesn't split hairs, man. James, in the book of James, which scholars believe is Jesus' younger brother, his, his half-brother, born of Mary and Joseph, right? He was not a believer when Jesus was uh, in his earthly ministry. He became a believer when Jesus, his older brother, rose from the dead and appeared to him. <laughs> I would love to be there for that, just to peek in and see Jesus come in and be like, I'm back, bro. <laughs> you didn't think Jesus could do it, but he did it. <laughs> right? And imagine his little brother, like, because we see in God's word that it says his brothers did not believe him. It was his brothers who came with Mary and said, get Jesus out of there. He's talking crazy, saying he's the son of God. He's going to get killed. Get that man out of there. They didn't believe him. But after Jesus rose from the dead and did what he said he was going to do, James is all in. He doesn't even say, hey, guys, it's me, James, the little brother of Jesus. Bow down. That's not what he says. He says, a disciple. He's, he's proclaiming, I believe. And then he says, if you believe, show me by your actions. Right? Now, some people don't like that because they think that James was saying, or they try to put it in their context, and they're saying, well, you're only saved by works. That's not what James was saying. 
He's saying, if you're saved and you say you're saved, let me see it. Like Jesus said, you will know a tree by his fruit. If I come up to a tree and it says it's an apple tree, but man, those look a lot like oranges. Who's lying? <laughs> right? Or if they say, I'm an apple tree, I'm really healthy, but all the fruit is rotten, there's something wrong. So Jesus asks me to just be a, just be a fruit inspector. That's all you do. Don't go around yelling at everybody, everybody just inspect the fruit. Mm, that doesn't look like good fruit. I'm not going to eat from that tree. <laughs> you know? And you just move on. Move along. So then James says some beautiful things that have helped me in life, right? He says, hey, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And I've told you before, I'm the opposite, right? My flesh is the opposite. Be quick to be angry. Don't listen to anybody. And be quick to speak. But scripture constantly tells me, no, 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 no. You want to honor the Lord? Be quick to listen. Perk up your ears. Hear what's being said. And then he gives us discernment. James tells us that he gives us wisdom, right? And then you may say, how do you get that wisdom? How do you get that wisdom? James tells us how we get that wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask the Lord. For he freely gives and he doesn't care who you are. He will give it to you. So sometimes some of you guys may, oh, Pastor Dave, where'd you get this wisdom? I asked. It's amazing. <laughs> I actually believed God's word and said, Lord, I'm stupid. <laughs> I need you. I need your wisdom. And then the Lord's like, that's all I needed to hear. Keep reading my word and I will show you the way to walk. I will show you wisdom. You will see it. It doesn't hide. It stands on the corner, Proverbs tells us, and yells out for anybody to hear. Right? So we seek, we seek the Lord. We seek him through his word. We're not going to get very far because I'm coming up to my time. So it says, yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They failed to learn and continued in their ways. They didn't learn from the Lord. The Lord would deliver, they would return. The Lord would deliver, they would return. And not return to the Lord. They'd return to their vomit. Like Jesus told us. And I got to think for myself, am I a dog that returns to its vomit? Or am I a child of the Lord? Am I one of his sheep? Now, there may be like a, a negative connotation to being a sheep. We hear it all the time, you know, in social media and everything. Oh, you're just sheep. You're just sheep. Do you know what's beautiful about sheep? And you can view it here in this country on the countryside. They know who feeds them more than anybody else. When that farmer goes out into the field, they run to him. They know his voice. So don't feel bad that the Lord calls us sheep. We're stupid sometimes. But we also know his voice. And when the Lord is speaking to us, our ears perk up and say, I hear you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. Don't be like a dog that 
returns to his farm. Don't get me wrong. I love dogs. I have a little dog. You know, I've, we've had her for a year. But I'll tell you what, she eats some disgusting things. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you let her out, and then she comes back in, and you're like, somebody smells like cat poo. And she didn't step in it. And I'm like, get that dog in the bath. <laughs> I don't know what she's been doing. You know, she goes to inspect everything. She's curious. That's the good thing about sheep. Sheep, sheep like to follow each other. Like if you go to a field where sheep live, right, you'll just see pathways. They follow each other right through those pathways. So if you're following somebody who's solid, praise the Lord. Like we, sometimes we say to ourselves, no, I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. Hey, at the end of the day, we are all followers. We're all followers. We look at something we like and we say, I want to do that. And we start walking down that path. What scripture is telling us is make sure that you're following Christ. He is not a follower. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Make sure we're following after him. It says, yet Israel did not listen. Let that not be our hearts. That we would be sheep that hear his voice, that don't try to, you know, try to get out of that hedge. I've seen those sheep too, you know, um, my wife, when I was dating her, they, she's from Devon, originally from Devon, right? And then she came to university here, and that was all part of the leading of why we settled in Birmingham. But when I was dating her, she lived in Devon. And right over, they had this, um, this like, pit in the ground. It looked like a little moat. It's called a ha-ha. <laughs> I love British terms. I'm like, why is it called a ha-ha? I guess if you fall in, ha-ha. <laughs> I don't know. But you could see the sheep, and the sheep were right there. And there were some things that I learned about sheep by just watching them. Because as a New Yorker, guess what? We don't have sheep. And just walking down the street, that a sheep? You know? Guess what we do have? Rats. <laughs> Just like Birmingham, <laughs> except our rats are bigger. They take steroids or something. I don't know what they're doing. They look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, right? <laughs> but sheep, man, sheep, they're kind of cool, right? You watch them. They're a bit ugly, like us. <laughs> I'm only kidding, like you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but you know, sheep sheep aren't like super attractive. They're cute looking, right? They have the especially when they're fluffy before they get the they get sheared or whatever you call it. And and then when they're out there with the lambs, and one thing that's cool is you go out there with the lambs and the lambs are just like playing and everything, but those mothers are protective. You go over, oh hey little lamb, and you see a mother giving you the side stare, like, what you doing by my kids? You know? And you're like, yeah, I was only playing around. And you move away, right? But one of the things that I noticed in this field all the time were, and I asked uh, Claire about it, my wife, I said, how come there's just like, like footpaths through the long grass? She says, that's because sheep only follow each other around. They don't go exploring. <laughs> They're like, I like going to that water over there. And they follow each other around. And once in a while, we would find like one of the sheep in, in like a pond stuck in the mud, right? It's like us, right? Somebody's like, I'm going to be adventurous. <laughs> I'm going to do what the Bible tells me not to do, right? And I'm going to see how it pans out. 
and then the farmer has to come and pull us out. And then sometimes you find these sheep that, that push their way through the hedge, through everything, cut themselves up, and they run through the fields. And sometimes those sheep are lost. They're gone. But they're not lost because they didn't know their way. They're lost because they chose to be lost. They chose to push their way. And like scripture tells us, there are many that were with us that chose to love money or do different things. And they, in turn, have pierced themselves. They've pierced themselves. You see these sheep, and sometimes they're bloody and everything. And you're like, nobody did that except you, right? So we have to watch out for that. We have to be people that listen. We have to be people that understand the times as we read scripture. We have to be people that, that are obedient to the Lord. And one way we could do that, and I'll talk about it next week, is reading God's word. But not reading God's word to puff up your knowledge. Reading God's word so that you can live it out in humility. It, it's, it's the opposite. You read it humbly so that you know how to please your father. How to please the king of kings and the lord of lords. How to please the prince of peace. The one who saved you. The one who laid down his life. And when we do good things, like James tells us, it is an act of love. Right? It's not because I'm trying to get into heaven. I'm already accepted. I'm in. I'm in. If you have come to the Lord and you're born again, you're in. You don't have to be accepted. You don't have to do something like, oh, I got to do all these works so that like maybe the Lord lets me in. You're already accepted. He loves you. It's not like the volcano, God, where you have to go and throw a body in every once in a while. You've watched those movies, you know, like, or you've heard about it, right? They, they, these tribes that would lay, oh, the volcano's erupting. We must sacrifice someone and so that we will be accepted. No, Jesus Christ calmed the wrath of God towards us. And when he sees us, he sees his perfect son. And he loves us. So that when I do good works, I'm doing two things. I'm showing that I trust him and I'm loving him back. Why do you do that, Christian? Because I love him. Because I love him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Help us. Help us to hear your word, to, to follow along in your word, Lord. Lord, help us to, to live it. Help us to, to use our deeds, our good deeds, to love you. To just say, I love Jesus. That's, that's why I'm loving my enemy. I love Jesus. That's why I'm praying for them. I love Jesus. That's why I'm forgiving people. Lord, help us. Strengthen us through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.